about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. so bad and so good presumably more whatever (laughs) you are listening to worst gig ever i am mike pace i am jeff garlock and uh, we have a fantastic show for you today we have amber nelson an improv star, a, a rising comedy star in New York. Uh, fantastic, yeah, stand-up. A, a lo- uh, lovely lady. Member of a UCB mod team. She does it all. She does uh, it all. She has some. She shares some great, thoroughly uh, uh, vile stories with us about, about club. I don't even want to get into it. It's disgusting so stuff. Uh, you want to, uh, so I'm going to say you want to bathe in bleach. After you listen to this episode, <laughs> and then you die. I mean, or just listen to it. it. Either way, uh, we're gonna try. A, uh, we have a new segment on the on the show that we're just gonna start right before we get into Amber. It's called uh, Film Corner. Ooh, uh, Film Corner. Do 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 do. Hey, uh, this week's uh, film is the 1980. Uh, you might call it a Grade Z exploitation yeah. New York revenge flick called The Exterminator. The Exterminator. Directed by uh, James Glickenhouse. Right. Starring uh, Christopher George and Robert Ginty. And it's basically, it takes the uh, kind of the death wish model of, you know... Uh, uh, Vigilante the, Vietnam vets. Exactly. Comes back and is fucked over somehow. Uh, how exactly is he fucked over again? Well, what happens is, and, and just for the listener, this is kind of like almost like our own little Siskel Niebert segment here. Right. We've both seen the movie. We have not discussed our reviews until just now. Basically, the plot of this movie is that you have a guy. He's a Vietnam. He's a POW. Right. He comes back. He's tortured. Uh, he sees his friends decapitated at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. There's that graphic beheading. Uh, then he comes back. He's working in Brooklyn. This is about 1980. He's working yep. on the docks. Yep. He's working for a supermarket or something, something unloading crates with his... All a Vietnam vet can yeah, get, man. Exactly. It was a tough get. time in New York. Our hearts go out to the vets. Uh, it was it was him and his vet friend, and yep. they're both working at the supermarket, And but they live in like post-apocalyptic... It's definitely Brooklyn. <laughs> right. The best friend gets uh, brutally mugged uh, by a gang of thugs. In so the neighborhood. He, so he does so the then only thing he can do. He becomes a vigil. This is Robert Ginty's character. His best friend gets mugged. So then he becomes this brutal exterminator going after all of the Mostly gang members. Mostly with a flamethrower. With, 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 yeah, with an enormous flamethrower. Uh, not uh, hard to use flamethrower. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and then there's and then Christopher George plays a detective. There's this real half-assed detective right. story where he's kind of following uh, the the exterminator who becomes a modern day folk hero because he's ridding the community of the gang members. And then he's just taking out some other evildoers left right. and right. Okay, Mike Pace's review of the exterminator, fucking atrocious. It's terrible. It is. I'm glad we're in agreement yes. here. This movie, I, I've been wanting to see this movie for years. I remember <laughs> the video, the VHS box in the store. I 
kids, I bit-torrented this movie illegally. Do not send me emails wait, wait, saying wait, 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 wait. we're going to rat you out to, to the FDA. Who I don't know why he'd rat <laughs> yep, you out to the, the FDA. Truck um, but I downloaded this movie. I was so psyched to watch it. I want to see a gritty portrayal of New York. Apparently, it was actually shot in New York. Apparently, I have to ver- uh, verify this, the Vietnam scenes in the beginning were shot in Vietnam. <laughs> Yeah, there's a Vietnam crew credit. Right. Uh, Because they actually look surprisingly budget. Like, they don't look like they're necessarily in Vietnam. Yeah, that's Um, what it's like. I'm like, oh, they clearly shot this, like, on the back lot somewhere. Right. It feels like like an Italian, it feels like an American version of an Italian version of an American Vigilante movie. Because, you know, Italy is known for, they don't, you know, give a fuck about copyright and so they especially in the 70s would just make just hundreds of the same movie like Serpico is the cop in blue jeans and they just kind of yes, redid it yes. there uh, but it feels like a weird version of a weird version but that coupled with the fact that it is it is truly an incompetently made movie I mean yes. this the, whoever edited this movie I, you know I don't know who this was but it just it cuts from scene to scene. There is no, inexplicably, right. there's no reason. You don't figure out how the exterminator found these people yep. to then kill, torture and kill. He just somehow f- tracks them he down. He has Vietnam vet them. superpowers. He does. Uh, he just has a, he has a Vietnam vet second sense. So uh, it's, yeah, and it's frustrating. All right. It's not as violent as you want it to be. You know, yeah, I mean, He's surprisingly, it's, like, you know, he hides behind the mask. So McGinty doesn't have to do much besides look pain. Yes. Um, um, it's Ginty. Ginty. I, it sounds like a McGinty. Yes. And but. Ginty, who it also drives me nuts because he was the father in Loverboy. Which is the oh, uh, that right. movie about Patrick the pizza, Dempsey? Patrick Dempsey, the pizza delivery yes. uh, boy. Who Guy's got order, range. <laughs> if you order extra anchovies, Ex- yeah, extra anchovies. And I'm pretty Lover. sure he might and Loverboy think his son is gay. And that's Loverboy better movie than Loverboy. Much better. We movie. have friends who swear by the Exterminator. They somehow like James Glickenhouse had a retrospective. Uh, I think this movie on my well, Vigilante scale, is a much better movie. Vigilante, oh, Vigi- yeah, uh, and, with and with Robert is that Robert Forrester? It is Vig- not, but okay. looks like and uh, or it might be, but and that has legitimate scenes of running through Greenpoint, yes, uh, and running yeah. through the abandoned so, pool that's now filled uh, in. Thankfully for for you, the, I'll say the, though, people yeah. stick behind Exterminator Two more. That's so right. Get on I, that I track not, and then be disappointed by Exterminator Two because uh, it's not as good as you want it to be either. For our listeners, don't seek out exterminate the Exterminator from 1980. You can't really find it anywhere don't unless you actually bother looking on YouTube because that's where I watched it. Yeah, um, I just I bit torn at it. I know a guy who knows a guy. Anyway, <laughs> that has been Film Corner. Thank you guys so much for uh, for bearing with us. And now we've got, in all her glory, Amber Nelson on this week's Worst Gig Ever. The best. All right. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Whisper Hour. <laughs> WGE, the Whisper Hour with Ember Nelson. <sighs> Guys, calm down. You up that night calm down. <laughs> Keep it together, everyone. <laughs> uh, we're going? Cool. Hey, yeah, we're also, going. we're always going. Oh, always man. Uh, welcome, Amber. Hello. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to the green room. I took your AK- lied. Welcome to the green room, <laughs> a.k.a. the studio, a.k.a. backstage, and Mike's place. Yes. Yeah, welcome to Worst Gig Ever. So, uh, let's just give a little introduction to who you are. Amber Nelson. 
Amber Tell Nelson. us all about yourself. Oh my, I feel like I'm in high school and I gotta stand up and again. You have two exactly. minutes. Oh god. Um, I do, I'm a comic and a writer and a performer. I do mod stuff at UCB, I'm an actor, I also do stand-up, um, character work, write, sketches, you know, try to find the best deals on groceries. <laughs> exactly. Uh, live in Greenpoint, that's, that's about me. Nice. Yeah. Uh, for so, the listener, Greenpoint is in Brooklyn, right. where we tape the show. Exactly. Yeah. When did you kind of get into doing comedy? Um, in college, I was acting, okay. and I got a little frustrated and started joining an improv group, and okay. I liked it because I got to kind of do what I wanted to do and didn't have other people writing or telling me what to do. Which um, is always awesome. Which is always awesome, yeah. exactly. And then, But we, we would go to like coffee shops and like dive bars you know, right. in the middle of nowhere and like short form improv team always you know matching big colored t-shirts uh what was i on i was on um nut punch classic name classic short form improv name family dinner that was a pretty it good sounds one sounds about right yes yeah. nut punch was pretty fun there was one show we did where uh it was in this bar that like heroin addicts would just kind of stumble into. This right. was in, in Baton Rouge, uh-huh. Louisiana. Was this Tulane? This was, uh, no, Tulane's in New Orleans, but this is about an hour away. Okay. Um, they would just, nobody was there. They served uh, rotten Jamaican food. <laughs> and um, we were in this like back alley warming up, you know, like sip, sap, sop. Yeah. You say potato, I say potato, you know. <laughs> and then these like thugs came out of the fucking gutter and they were just like, what are you doing in our alley? And we're like, we're a short form improv team <laughs> warming up. And they're like, Oh, yeah, do some improv for us. And they sat on a stone wall with this pit bull on a chain. In the alley. In the alley. <laughs> and uh, we did like uh, like about five minutes of improv games. And then they just kind of laughed and walked away. I just don't think they thought it was enough to beat us up. Right. You know. Do you think maybe they just felt sorry for us? Yeah, I think they just felt <laughs> yeah. sorry for us. I mean, you won in the end. I mean, yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> right off the bat, yeah. that's that's a, that's 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 a worse gig uh, qualifier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look at these losers. Let's go <laughs> shoot up heroin. <laughs> uh, did you ever? Did you? Were you into comedy uh, like growing up, or, uh, or did it? Or did it just kind of happen naturally? It kind of happened naturally, and I was into it. But my parents are a lot older, right? So. My favorite comics growing up were like people like Red Fox, right. you know, because that's who they would play for me. Mom's Mabel, you know, yes. or Mom's Mabley. No, yeah, Mom's yeah. Mabel. Mom's Mabel. It's a different. Uh, oh, that's right. There's Mom's Mabel, and then there's Mom's Mabley. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They were competing uh, yeah. for the, on the Chitlin circuit, I believe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Those Red Fox records are pretty dirty for a child. Dirty. I don't know why, because they were very Christian, but then I would somehow get a hold of this. You yeah. Know? I don't it know does what... seem like a weird buy on that it's one. It's a little sour with the sweet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the main, the main Red Fox joke that was always told to the Panthers fan was, you ever seen a bald pussy? Looks like a hatchet wound. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that is intense. Keeping it classy red. Yeah, classy. <laughs> oh, let's all hold hands and pray. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so you have Red Fox records. Yeah, yeah, they would listen to it. And my mom, she loved performing, but it was always in very small southern towns we right. move around in. So she would sometimes just be like, Amber, pack up the props in the car. We're going to go to the nursing home and perform. 
And we would just go there, and then she would pull out a piano and just start playing, and have like a box of props. <laughs> Wait, she like, would just do kind of just a whole full show. Whole show. Nobody invited her. Nobody said leave. Oh, they weren't even. She would just decide to. She would just decide to go, and oh, then people wow. would like wheel up, you know, and like excited that they're not going to die today. Right. And watch this weird performance. <laughs> Uh, one of her bits was she had like a top hat and she had a petticoat skirt and she got two volunteers and always tried to get like the oldest, sick, frailest people. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a scene from Gone with the Wind where he says like, I'm going to make love to you tonight or whatever and picks her up. But it's, the joke is they're so old they can't, he can't pick her up. Right. And she would just like stand in the... <laughs> It's this, like, amazing old vaudeville in a nursing home. So you come from, like, a family of comics, then, so to speak. Yeah, my mom's a very funny lady, you know? But she, I think she just got married and had kids and just didn't... Right. And that was the biggest joke of all. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did you... Were you ever involved in the show? Like, you would go... Did you get, like... Were you, like, a helper in it? Yeah, she wanted me to sing sad songs. I would sing, like, At Last and um, Sweet Little Jesus Boy. (laughs) I'm just picturing four-year-old Amber Nelson just listening to Red Fox Records, (laughs) going to church... And then singing the most depressing stuff ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful mental image, I guess. <laughs> like, I mean, it kind of sums you up as I kind of know you. So wait, 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 you. Where did you grow up? Oh, I moved around a bunch. Uh, okay. Saudi Arabia, um, Georgia. Surprise, first one, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my, big comedy scene over there. Big comedy right? scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they love it when people uh, have free speech, especially <laughs> women. They love women that speak their mind. <laughs> Um, so Saudi Arabia, and then uh, oh, is this there's military? Uh... Uh, well, my dad was teaching people over there, okay. and my mom, when they moved back to the states, they got actually kicked out. My brother got kicked out of the country because he slashed a prince's tire. He the, in the, Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia, this guy was like a real dick, and like these young princes, they have a, all the money in the world. Nobody ever tells them no because they're these young men in this very man-oriented state. Right. Um, so they're. You know, mostly pretty shitty people, and he would, like, throw rocks at women. He would say dirty things to people and just always get away with it. So my brother went and slashed his tire, um, and the official, nobody could prove that he did it because he just lied so well. So they said, all right, you're just going to get kicked out of the country instead of dying. We're going to kill him. Was this pre- Was this pre or post, do you remember the caning incident yeah. that happened? Was that in Thailand? Where an American got caned for, like, uh, a kid. Yeah. Got caned for, like, writing graffiti someplace yeah, on vacation. something along those lines. I think it was in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And then I believe they made that movie Beyond Rangoon. Yes, starring did. Claire Danes about broke, it. No, that's Broketown Palace. Oh, Get it together. Broketown Palace. Bo- Beyond Rangoon might have been a sophomore. Okay. Crab uh, Rangoon's the best, though. Yeah. <laughs> the sequel. And then they made Crab Rangoon. It was delicious for the world. Um... <laughs> Uh, so wait, so then he got kicked out of uh, Saudi Arabia? He got kicked out, and then he lived in Georgia for a while with the aunts, with right. his aunts, and then my parents were like, we miss our son, let's go back to the States. Sure. And then How old was he when that would happen? He was a teenager, probably like 17, 18, wow. um, and then we moved back over, and then we just moved around a bunch in yeah. the States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. So then, so you ended, so you graduated college, you went through, you were a nutsack. Nutsack, uh, you were yeah, in family improv. portrait. Uh, <laughs> for, for the listener, when you say you were in Nutsack, 
she for someone in, may, who may not know what nutsack is. We just talked about it. The short term, short form improv. Oh, that's right. That was, uh, my <laughs> yeah. my short term memory. Yes, exactly. For okay, nutsack. So then you're yeah, in yeah. family dinner. Yeah, there's a two different improv teams. Okay, I right. really like it, you know. And then I decided to move to I moved to New York a week after I graduated college. I just wanted to get out of Louisiana. Yeah. And um, I originally came up to do musical theater. Okay. And which is a weird decision. Sure. Um, because I. I'm not. The people in New York, which I've quickly found out, are like crazy triple threats in musical theater. Right. You know, they can just hit the highest notes and tap dance and you know juggle at the same time. I right. can't. I'm, I'm just not talented in that. Sure. <laughs> now, were you more of a uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat musical theater or a Little Shop of Horrors movie? I I, I just I pulled two out of the thing. No, and I only say it because I loved... No, no, these are the two distinct styles. The two so, you picked them. I loved Little Shop of Horrors as right. a kid, and especially the movie. I've never seen Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I'm so <laughs> glad that you picked one. That's it. But I did, <laughs> yeah, no, pick one. I did see Big. They, they briefly made a musical version of the movie Big mm-hmm. on Broadway in, I think, 1992. Very Ran brief. for six weeks. I, I saw it on Broadway. Loved it. End of story. Yeah, wonderful. But, like, what... Uh, in terms of musical theater, are we talking just across the board, uh, or did you have a special a specialty or a special? What were you yeah, interested? Good question, because I, I hadn't really figured that out myself. Mm-hmm. I knew I liked to sing and I could kind of dance, and I loved acting. And I I went out for all these acting roles, but I just wasn't fulfilled. And I, I remember doing this play called The Best Party Ever, uh-huh. really terrible. The director handed me this racist monologue to do, and I had to go to the audience and point people out and tell them why I think Muslims are going to hell. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Neil Simon play, right? Yep. Yeah, right. classic. <laughs> uh, wait, what was that called? The Best Party Ever. I think it's still running off off oh, that's good now. It's uh, really bad. So, so you, so you came to New York. You had musical theater in your bones. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so then, yeah, so I, it, it kind of, how did you end up kind of, you know, moving down the path that you are now? Um, well, I, I also cocktail waitressed and I saved up a lot of money doing that. So I was uh-huh. able to pay for improv classes. Okay. I knew that I just liked improv. I didn't know where it would lead. I just, I just liked doing this. Right. And, um, I kept taking classes and I remember I was in this movie and the director fired me because I wouldn't sleep with him. He was a real sack of shit. Uh, and then I said, Is that Michael Bay? Nada. He actually invited me to a motel. He drove me to a motel and he ordered pizza and he said, Let's do some improvs on the bed. And you're like, Mr. <laughs> and you're like, Mr. Spielberg, come on. This <laughs> is. Wow, that is an intense pickup line. Uh, I should have used that in my youth. Uh, so, so that that well, that that seems like a natural springboard for to get into stand up. Though I mean, supplying you with amazing material, right? Yes, I mean that director really just cut me open. <laughs> right. um, so, uh, where did how did the the stand up uh, uh, angle come in? Um, well, I think after that movie experience, I I was like, you know what, fuck it, I love doing this improv thing. I'm going to keep doing that. And then I got onto a mod team. Right, and then I was on a mod team for. I a guess few we should say we've talked about it probably before, but for the listener, yeah, uh, mod teams are the house uh, sketch teams uh, at Upright Citizens Brigade <laughs> Theater. Yep. Uh, you and I were on a team uh, mm-hmm. together, uh, and we both uh, partake in that. But 
That's what we mean when we say mod. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So then you got in a mod team. Uh, you were also though before that you were on. You were in Cape. You were in a group called Cape. Yep. Cape uh, was great. I was Cape in... was a fantastic New York improv and sketch group. Oh, thank you. Uh, Cape or Cape. Cape. C A P E. It was Kelly Hudson, Emily Strong, Joe Morris. At one point, Patrick Clare at the beginning. Yep. Yes. Uh, Emily, who I wrote a show with. That's uh, right. And, you want to plug it now? Yeah, let's <laughs> plug a show that died three years ago. Uh, getting quick. Getting time machine. Go watch it. Uh, but yeah, Cape was a great sketch uh, team. I think everyone should go find their videos, oh, uh, especially nice. Windjammers. Uh, but yeah, so go on. So you got in a mod team. Got in a mod team. Did that for a few years. And... Um um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I started writing, working on the show with a friend, mm-hmm. and I felt like I didn't understand my voice quite as much, and I didn't know how to articulate what I wanted. So that kind of fell through, and then I, I'd always wanted to try stand-up, but then that was the point where I was like, you know what, this, I, I want to work on this um, articulation, and right. really working on what I like, what I want. So I started doing stand-up, and um, you know, ate shit for a while, still do. Sure. Um, how long would how long have you been doing stand up? Would you say at this oh, point? Oh, geez, maybe like two and a half years. Like okay. not that long. Yeah. I've been doing sketch for like five or six, right. and you know, improv for six or seven. It's so hard. You feel like you almost want like you you want the like the the uh, conversion chart for all that because it's like you've earned these years too. <laughs> you know, like you've done these other years of comedy, but like you know, but then you start these up like I, you know the, the handful of times I've done stand up. I'm just like, oh, this doesn't apply exactly. <laughs> it kind of does, but it ends up being its own weird thing. Uh, yeah. And it's its own form. And it, 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 it's, I know for me, it's very stressful just doing stand up. Like, it's, it's just, I don't have a grasp on it at all. I think it uh, takes, in my experience, it takes so long to develop your, your voice, voice, your sense right. of you, your yeah. sense of you, your sense of you and your point of view. Right. Yes. And any other uh, of the other, other, touchy feely things. Yeah. Exactly. Literally. Because I know that I when I was doing it, I never got to the point where I felt comfortable. I wasn't doing personal stuff. I was just doing absurd right. wordplay and, and you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. You, know, you can do very well doing that kind of but I didn't feel confident right. when I was doing it that well, way. Well because yeah, and I'm sure and you can speak like it feels painful when you're to me, like when you're on stage and you you're still trying to you know, you want to have that voice. You know what that voice is to some extent, but it, what's coming out is just, uh, you can like hear yourself the written word before. Like you yeah. can hear like, Oh, I planned this improv. I planned yeah. this like weird aside. Yeah. It's weird because we all have taste and we have good taste right. and we know that what you're doing in stand up isn't as good as what you like as what you want to do, but you've just got to keep doing right. it in order to get to the place that of the people that you really admire. Right. You it's know? that Ira Glass thing. The, the yeah, Ira Glass exactly. thing of creativity that I end you know? up showing in all my sure. sketch classes. Because it's true, and it's hard. It's a, you know, something like, I, I feel like I, I'm always like, I show this because I need this too. Like, yeah. we all need this. Like, yeah. it is... It takes forever. It takes like so long. You have to like keep doing it until so you get to the point where like, yeah, you know, a shave vagina does look like a hatchet. <laughs> right, exactly. We're all basically that's, looking to be red fox. At, <laughs> at its core, that joke just comes back. To it really it comes back to everything. It's such a solid joke, Mister Fox. <laughs> um, so it seems like with the with your improv, improv background and working with people on stage in front of an audience, to then it was it would have been easier to move into just getting on stage by yourself. And telling jokes, and I mean, 
I, I say that because Jeff and I all come from playing in bands as well. So like you have that camaraderie, you have that ensemble behind right. you. So if something you in know, your instrument, yeah. Well, I like I would tell jokes on stage, and then if something bombed, I just well, all right. Let's next song. Let's just go <laughs> yeah, into it. Exactly. And then trying stand up for a while, it's like okay, I want to get back up on stage. I want to get in front of an audience and perform again. But without the the the, the rigmarole of, of dealing with the band and whatever, but I've got I'm naked right up here yeah because I performed in the nude <laughs> yeah but yeah, which was a weird choice to start figuratively uh, yeah, that's how I wanted to I'm gonna start at that make your mark I guess. I'm gonna make it as, most, as difficult as possible for yeah. myself <laughs> but so but there's a, there's a real fear in just getting up there and having people judge you as. Oh yeah, funny. absolutely. So how is how do you like uh, how do you cope with that? Um, I don't, well, everybody's afraid, you know. You right. just gotta do it, I guess. And after a while, you just kind of get less and less afraid. I remember being afraid, even doing some of the open mics. Um, mm-hmm. And I've now I'm like I don't, you know, I just go up there and do my thing. And right. then soon I'm gonna be like not afraid to do a thousand crowd. Seat theater, or right. maybe I will be. Who knows? Sure. I think you're always yeah. afraid. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're telling personal stuff because yeah. you could really go deep, and then someone's like, "Fuck you," you know? <laughs> it's like, "Oh, you don't love me." <laughs> oh my god! So, well, speaking of that, why don't you regale us with a tale uh, from uh, from another worst gig from uh, stand up or improv or, or whatever you got? Cool. I did this show. Um, it was across the street from. The Port Authority bus terminal. Okay. Um, and it was at this bikini bar where nobody, the girls didn't speak English. They were obviously sex slaves just kind of right. living here. Um, just kind of millowing about, passing out drinks, Budweiser's and such. And But there was no stage and there was no lights. They were being reamped. So you were just performing in the corner next to a pile of wood, just kind of yelling at these old men. They kind of sauntered in there, uh, and like one topless chick in the background, you know. Right. And I think I like pointed to the pile of wood, and I said something like, um, "God, what did I say? Oh, what's that movie with the? Oh God, with the bees and the? Uh, the Wicker Man? No, the bee movie. The where there's like a pile of wood. Damn it! <laughs> Can't. Oh yeah, I said. Uh, oh, I feel like I'm in Candyman, and I gotta crawl through the wood to find the baby. <laughs> And nobody, you know, it, it's kind of stupid, but no, they just stared at me. It's a good like, reference, <laughs> dare I say, a little obscure. Yeah. Right. Uh, for the bikini but, bar. It's, but it's a, I mean, that's, if there was someone in the crowd that got it, they'd be like, right on. Right, she's got the goods. Let's go do exactly. some hair. Yeah. Oh, Let's go do improv on the bed. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god! But that was actually a lot of fun because I I just kind of like do crowd work with people. Right. You know, nobody gives a shit about your material in those yeah. kind of moments. They want to. You want to. They want to talk to you. Yeah. Right. You want to talk to them. Was that was that an open mic or was that a uh, like a booked show? That was a booked show. Oh. Yeah. It was crazy. How did, how did the other comedians feel about that one? Oh, everybody was horrible. Everybody right. was horrible. But I, you know, I just find a way. You just got to find a way to make it fun for you. Right. Anytime I've done a couple shows where, like, before I was in the audience, it's like I guess I'll just muster up energy and get on stage, <laughs> right. and it's always failed, of course, because right. if you're going in there with a the thought of like, well, I guess this is gonna fucking suck. Nobody right. wants to watch that. Sure. How long? I guess that. Yeah. How long did that take uh, for you to kind of realize that fact? Because I'm sure that's some, that's like a learning curve itself oh. uh, of realizing not going. You know, you have to go on stage with the you know 
you can't go on stage with a shit attitude. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm still learning it because, like, what would it take to be fun here, you know? Right. Like, the other night, in fact, I did not do well at this one show. It was an R&B show. Oh, an God. An urban show? Oh, very urban, which, yeah. is, which is fine, but, but it was with all singers doing 90s R&B hits. Right. Really getting it, being very soulful. Everybody's talking, drinking. It was not conducive. There was, like, a bar in the middle of the room, so everybody was separated and uh-huh. could, could give a shit less. Um, and I go on there and I'm like, what could I do to make this fun for me? Right. Cause I'm on stage and I, this, I don't know how this is going to go. So I went up there and I like kind of started my material was not working. Uh-huh. Nobody could give a shit. And then the only thing, the only time I got it was when I was telling these butthole jokes <laughs> and I did crowd work on what have you put in your butthole and I just like pointed at people in the audience I was like tell me what have you put in your butthole (laughs) (laughs) so wait were you the only comedian on this this show there was one other comic way early in the night and people just talked to the point where they forgot oh wait we saw comedy before we should be ready for this oh yeah totally forgot totally forgot (laughs) and he nobody gave a shit about him either they just kept talking the whole time that that is a, a, a that's an interesting and seems like a really productive approach that I personally never I was always just like all right I gotta remember my stuff I gotta right. well, let me look at my notes I never got comfortable enough because I, I don't do stand up regularly um, where I was like all right well how do I make this fun for me <laughs> and but there's also a little confidence there that look I got the microphone what did you put in your butthole. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it. You've got the microphone. Yeah. You've got the time. This is yeah. your time. This is your show. This is our, this is our yeah. time. Here. Exactly. Down here. <laughs> oh, look what you're doing there. Classic That's reference from, to Candyman. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I... So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a huge... I mean, I know for, this is... Especially when I think about stand-up, this is something I always end up talking about in therapy all the time, where it's just like, I go up on stage apologetic. Like, I go up on stage of just like, all right, you'll deal with me for five minutes. <laughs> Which I... Re- every t- As soon as I get off, I'm like, that was the bad attitude. That was the, the yeah. wrong way to go about it. Because I immediately start off of like, well, they're going to hate the- hate me. I'm just hoping for one laugh. And I can't even hear the hear the the, but, the laughs. I just I see the stares. It seems like they're all like every audience is willing to give you a shot when you first you know yeah. the brain right. is wiped clean. So right. like when you first get up there, like they are the audience is theoretically open to whatever you have to give them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, yeah. yeah. I mean, some people are just dicks no matter sure. what. They're like, yeah. Be funny. Right. Um, but for the most part, they people want to have a show, and they'll give you about three seconds. You have three seconds before they make an immediate opinion, judging right. you. So how do you work out? Uh, you, how do you do your ratio for the three seconds? I just show my tits. Yeah, finally <laughs> we got down to the nitty gritty of what it's about. I, I mean, or the gritty it's, titty. The gritty titty nitty. Uh, is is crowd work a, a kind of a, a go to definitely now for you in those situations for like the shit show? Yeah, yeah, and it's still hard every time, and that's right. where the improv helps, you know, yeah. because you really have to listen and yes and and um, uh, make it funny within the first two lines, really right. establish what's going on. Right. Um, Do you ever start crowd work and just have just people just say, no, <laughs> not having it? I have started it, and they just weren't having it, and then right. I was just kind of, all right, move on to the material now, you right. know, and then, 
you know, find a nugget somewhere and riff yeah. on it. I remember just, I remember again, Quaid's show, the show I wrote with Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where in the show, the whole thing was narrated by Prince uh, that was played by Jim Santangeli, who's this, you know, larger white man. Uh, but there was a shit show. We, one of the shows was just terrible. And I remember there was a woman in the front row, just arms crossed, just like, looked like she was fucking pissing in her, like, just like angry that she was there. And, like, Jim went up and, like, kind of, like, danced on her a little bit. And she apparently just went, like, I'm good. Uh, and he was just like, okay, well, never mind. I'll just focus on uh, the left side of the stage. Uh, and that kind of summed up what... It was just, in general, just like, all right, well, I guess that's going to be the general tone. But you know what? Sometimes people have something going on in their lives that you couldn't help in that right. moment. There was a moment, I did an improv show, um, and one of my teammates was this very small, hairy man. <laughs> and uh, we all know who he is. And, uh, <laughs> I've got a feeling. Yes. Bruce Valanche? Yes. <laughs> uh, but as somebody in the audience, this dude on the front row was like, Hey, hey, you hairy faggot. Hey, you hairy little faggot. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, by the way. <laughs> it was a long time ago. He just kept going. He wouldn't stop. And right. then my friend in the, in the team, he pulls open the window and he yells at him, you know, and he really lets him have it, like angry. And then he shuts the window and the guy just keeps going. Totally throws everything off. It's very uncomfortable for everybody. I mean, he's right. saying faggot very loudly in this sure. room. Uh, like, show me your arms, you monkey, you monkey fag. You know, it's like really mean and kind of funnily mean. A monkey right. fag? That's kind right. of hilarious. Monkey fag's kind of gold. <laughs> but uh, after the show, my friend goes up and talks to him and he's like, what was that? Why were you doing that? He accosts him. And the guy says, you know what? Honestly, today my wife hit me in the face and I went to a comedy show because I knew I could get back at somebody else. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like... Well, then now I guess I got a feel for you, but that also sucks. It sucks, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, that is a th- that's a weird thing. Is you d- yeah, you have to remember Talk that in sketch or improv <laughs> or any of these. Like, is you do have to kind of remember that. It's just like everyone has their own shit that they're going through, yeah. and that you can't like no one's coming. Like you know, one that not everyone's coming in with your mindset, obviously. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that there are just people like, and there are also just people who, like you said, are just shitty. Yeah, like I never understand. Like you know. There, I, I, there's certainly people too who just think like that's what you do. You go to a comedy show, an improv show, whatever. It's a dialogue. It's a you dialogue. Talk. We're having a back and forth. I never understood. It's always those people who want to sit, or the people who don't want to laugh are the ones who sit up front. Yeah, that's certainly the case for Maud. I think almost every show. It's like the three people out of the 200 in the theater who want to just sit there with a sourpuss on their face are the ones who sit, sit in the very usually place. stage left. I can always see them from the performers' yeah. uh, area. It's, you know, it's, it, it brings up an interesting point when we talk about like similarities and differences in music and comedy. And this is one of those things that's completely different. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're playing a show and you're on stage as a, as a band and the crowd kind of sucks or there's some assholes there right. or you feel people aren't paying attention, oftentimes that would make us just like play harder. Like, sure. fuck you guys. Right. Like, I, we're the ones with the volume like we'll turn it up and just like so in a way it's kind of a uh, a driving thing whereas when you're just on stage telling jokes or acting out a scene right you can't be like alright well, I'm just gonna scream this joke at you you know it doesn't right. have the same effect unless you're Bill Burr 
Have you ever seen that? Did you ever see that thing? Yeah. He like oh, opened yeah, yeah. for Opie and Anthony. Yeah. And like you know, it was in where was it? Philly or whatever. I did see that. Yeah. Like and also obviously Opie and Anthony fans look like the worst people of the entire world. Sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> but they do. But yeah, like I was. That was one of those moments where I remember watching it and thinking like that's what I would do with a bass. Like you know. Yeah. Like I could just turn up my distortion and be like, all right, fuck it. I'll just be painful, like, right now. Yeah. Uh, and I've never... That was the first time I was like, oh, you could, in theory, do that, but also, you have to be Bill Burr. Yeah. Like, yeah. You have to be I, I think it, in Special. comedy, it lends itself to a, a specific or particular situation. Right, right, right You could right. get away in front of a really rowdy crowd, right. like an Opie and Anthony crowd or something. Yeah. I saw Artie Lang do stand-up on Long Island years ago, and it was all, like, Howard Stern, whack pack crowd right. and I or uh, comics and crowd I was wearing a blazer then a corduroy blazer definitely the only one within a 30 block radius wearing a blazer <laughs> and I believe I was also a faggot that night because yes, of the sure you monkey fag <laughs> you monkey fag <laughs> like something out of Greece yeah. uh, hey. <laughs> half-hearted Travolta there <laughs> hey. um, so uh so you're you're still you know uh, you you still have to work shit jobs too uh, while you're doing all this. You're dealing with people yelling at your teammates, calling them a monkey fag, and <laughs> do you doing RB shows? Like you know, what are the, like like what kind of shit jobs do you have to kind of do to get through this? Oh, you mean like uh, like nine to five things? Like nine to five shits. Oh God, damn! I I worked whatever where have I worked? I've worked, I work for a barge agency right now. Um, it's actually a good job because it's flexible. Right. A what agency? It's, it's like barges, like big boats oh, and barges. trucks. Right. Like 18 wheelers and yeah. giant, you know, boats that haul things. Haul um, <laughs> ass. The haul ass. <laughs> and I just have to like, I input t- truck tickets and I file boat right. names. Um, classic temp work. Classic temp yeah. work. I'm trying to think what other shit jobs I've had. I think I like block them out. Sure. Of my brain. You do a lot of temping. Temping, right. waited tables. Yeah. Um, I used to work. God, here's something. I used to. Oh, that's my phone. Time for the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hold on. No, that's fine. We can we can uh, cut in. Just uh, speak a little more. Hey. Yeah. Can you hear this? Yeah, of yes. course. Right. Oh, I got something. I used to... Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Wait, just and a, we're back? Both of you guys should just speak a little closer to the... How about that? Yeah. All right. Like oh, this? Oh, there we go. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. We're going to... Uh, we level all the audio. Great. Yes. Sorry about that. My alarm goes off. Um, okay. Here's a, a, a job I did that... It's going to make me look like a terrible person, but whatever. <laughs> monkey I, fan. A monkey fan. <laughs> really? Professional. It hasn't been established fan. already that you're a terrible person. <laughs> It was a real monkey so, uh, fag over here. <laughs> I was. Uh, I had to do go to these old people houses and uh, like take care of them overnight, uh-huh. like wash their hair and feed them and shit. Um, but I was like nineteen, twenty, and I did that so I could drink on people's couches and watch their television. And there was stealing their liquor. Oh yeah, steal their liquor, watch TV, steal their food, get paid. You know, great gig. Um, <laughs> real Wait, piece of shit. Was this here or at uh, Louisiana? This is in Louisiana. Wow. And um. There was one night, there was this, it was the last time I ever worked there, but the, the, there was a night 
um, this woman had to be turned over every few hours because she had bed sores. I had no idea. Because you, you get in there, and there's like a book on a table, and you have to read the book and figure out what the fuck you got to do with this old person. Oh, like a hand guide to yeah. like, here are the instructions. Here are the instructions. Hand guide to bed sores. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I feel nauseous, by the way, already. Bed sores <laughs> make me feel I'm, I'm disgusting. I'm loving it. I'm loving yes. it. <laughs> Go on. So I'm like, I'm before then, I'm like out in my little, you know, a Pontiac I got at the pawn shop and I'm like drinking whiskey you wait, know? wait wait you got a Pontiac at a pawn shop no not a Pontiac one of those like town cars it was like a brown town car that you bought you can get a car at a pawn shop yeah you can get a car at a pawn shop hold the phone this is, these are two this, New Englanders this, this sounds, talking this sounds like a Louisiana only thing Man, I don't know but it's a pretty sweet you deal you can buy cars at pawn shops you can buy cars right, at pawn we'll shops get back to that it had gold rims pretty sweet old drug dealer car <laughs> but uh <laughs> I so I'm like drinking whiskey in in the car, and I get out, and I'm like kind of drunk, and I go in this woman's house, and I read this manual, and they're like turn her over for bed sores, and you also have to check her fecal matter. Ugh. You have to pull out of her bedpan and rummage rummage through her fecal matter and write down what's in it. And I'm shit faced. I don't want to do this. You're gonna be literally shit faced. <laughs> literally. Ba boom. Ba boom. Ba boom. Uh, <laughs> so in the middle of the night, she shits herself. Oh god! And I'm like, I clean it up. Are you trashed? At this I'm like, point? Wait, were you trashed. waiting for this? Like the, the patient will defecate herself in bed. I just they didn't say in bed. They just said make sure you check her fecal matter. It's I had happen. no idea. She, I I just didn't put two and two together that she would shit she herself. She was doing improv in bed. Apparently, she was doing <laughs> the improvs in the bed. Uh, but I would, you know, I just was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna get trashed and sleep on her couch. And um, I woke up to her being like, I did it again. <laughs> and I go in there with this bucket and I clean it up. And it's like 3 a.m. and I'm very tired and drunk. And I go in the bathroom with like a bucket of her shit. And I have to like look through it and be like, all right, that's corn in there. And like write it down. And like, all right, that's tomatoes. Jesus oh. fucking. No, are you looking at you? have to put a glove on and like literally. They didn't have gloves. I just kind of like, f- 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 like shifted it. How did they not have gloves? <laughs> Get out of here. I couldn't find them. What kind of bullshit operation is this? <laughs> hey, it's all part of the human body. It's yeah. organic. Just enjoy it. It's Mother Nathan. Mother yeah. Nathan. Oh. Mother Nathan. <laughs> they oh, probably it's getting hot here. I'm sweating. You guys are passing out. It's so hot. <laughs> it's so gross. It's That's so hot. Jimmy from the pizza place. Wait a second. Call back. Call back Previous episode, episodes. we had uh, 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 Mike Kaplan was our guest. He was talking about uh, uh, ordering at a vegan restaurant pizza, uh, and they didn't have any vegetables there. But they had vegetables for the pizza. That's what I meant. And then Jeff went into this character, Jimmy, who worked at the Louisiana pizza place. And I think he just showed up again. Hey. <laughs> With nothing? Uh, cool. So, anyway. Okay, so I want so to you're hanging around in this old lady's shit. <laughs> I can't find gloves. I'm sure there's somewhere. But I'm like smooshing it around. Oh, right yeah. You're drunk. So you probably, that's why you can't find Yeah, I'm just shit face. And then I'm like, I just kind of like slosh it all in the bathtub. I like look and I was like, "Fuck! Why didn't I put it in the toilet?" Uh, whatever, Wait, man. Yeah, how did you? How are you gonna clean that up? I don't know. I right mean, now. how much? What? What's the volume we're talking about? That you're pouring <laughs> into the toilet. It, I remember being very runny. Oh, oh my <laughs> fucking Christ! Yeah. All right. yeah. It was like an inch. It was about an inch of fecal matter in like a bucket, oh, like a like hell. a painter's right. bucket. All right. So I slosh it in the bathtub, and I'm like, "Fucking hell! I'll deal with it tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I go back and I pass out 
And then I wake up to her being like, I'm ready for my bath. <laughs> of course she is. Oh, God. And she, I get up and like the bathtub is running. And this lady's like, it's okay. I'm just going to take a bath. You can go. And I was like, see ya. Oh, I love. Oh, Amber. Wow. Oh, that's what's that's the up key there. to her youth, though. That is up <laughs> Wait, I... I, okay. I told you it made me sound like a shitty person. This lady <laughs> bathes in her own oh, fecal man. I didn't realize you sound like a real monkey Literally. Literally. there, if you ask me. Uh... I just, I just don't even know. Like, why did they want you to go through it to make sure she was eating? Yeah, make sure like she's she eating. Swallow toys. Yeah, and like what she's well, digested. She has problems with her. Stomach. To to be to be fair, uh, not to be the devil's advocate here, but if you're in some kind of nursing capacity, right? I think you get over feces pretty quickly. Oh, I kind of territory. Yeah. But what's odd is that it sounds like you were doing something almost in a temp capacity. In this job, and they're just bumping you up to like RN, and you have to. Just... All right, Mike, you get the co-lady job. <laughs> Jeff, you file. Amber, go dig around this old lady shit for a while. <laughs> Jimmy from the pizza place. All of a sudden, you're here moving on up in the world. Nothing. Uh, so, uh, that's disgusting. Yeah, I should have been doing that job. They right. should have. I mean, I don't like. To I put the those. blame on the company. Well, I don't put the blame on you. I think you're you're a young here, woman. You're just trying to get by in this world. They clearly shouldn't have hired you. Here is a, a practical question. Question or or question. Any, anything from that make its way into your act? Is that you is there, are there any nuggets? Any, uh, any corn nuggets? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've tried. You know, it's it. That's a hard thing to talk about. But you know what? I I have jokes that I keep revisiting that are difficult to talk about. But then when you finally figure it out, it's funny. Yeah. Right. That's going to be something that I'll figure out how to talk sure. about in a couple of years from yeah. now or whenever. But yeah, it, right. I definitely have to accept the fact that I look like a terrible person. Like sure. this. You know, I'm a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's like converting. Uh, it's like converting like a story of your life into a sketch. Like you know, sometimes yeah. it honestly, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there's you know, it's something that's hilarious and just told as a story at the bar. Yeah. Uh, and then there, and it's just missing that like kind of key aspect that it takes a while. To crack that nut, like, and to and, figure and, out what the and fuck it is. a story isn't necessarily going to translate into a stand-up bit. Right, If right. someone gets on stage and they tell a story, it's, not, yeah. you know, it's yeah. very well, that's difficult. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the that's audience. Because that's like, you know, as a comedian, you realize, oh, wait, I'm crafting jokes out of these. It's not like, you know, the person who just goes up and just tells the story is the person who is like, I'm the funniest guy at the water cooler. Yeah. Like, I can just tell yeah. my stories, whatever. I do like how the bed sore thing is almost like a nice... Uh, descriptor that doesn't really come into play later on in the story. Yeah. Oh, just... But wiping her shit off the bed sores because it's like running down her legs. Oh, yeah, no, it's, no, it's, it's a great... It's Eight a great... bucks an hour, guys. <laughs> that's all? Eight bucks an hour. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a worse gig. Yeah. <laughs> that's, def- that's definitely a worse gig. That one's terrible. Uh, thinking about material, like uh, because you do, you know, you do sketch writing as well. Yeah. Uh, and you do uh, stand-up uh, now I'm just thinking about material in general. Like, how do you kind of uh, divvy up? Like, how, in your brain, what's the differentiator uh, between? Oh, this one would be perfect for stand-up art. Yeah. Like, or do you kind of try both? I kind of try it out uh, in all different ways, see where it works. Right. There's a bit. I, there's a sketch I wrote um, about 
the women of the Twilight Zone and mm-hmm. how they're like these docile ladies like committed to these ridiculous lines. Right. And it was first done in stand-up, but I thought, oh, that would make a better sketch character. So I just kind of blew it out and made a whole sketch about it. Right. And my friend came on dressed as a giant robot and like threw martinis at me and hit me. And it was right. a lot of fun. <laughs> so so you, you're, you're going back and forth between finding material that kind of maybe may start off in this form, but it ultimately comes to life yeah. in something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess also another practical question, like, you know, improv is, you don't just go out and do improv. You have your teams and you have nights. What's your, what's your stand-up schedule like? How many nights do you go up? What's your... Um, I go up every night, maybe twice, three times a night. Oh, really? Um, some nights uh, I do, you know, you do hang out with your loved one or whatever just to kind of mm-hmm. decompress. Placate the... Sure. Yeah. And also fill the well, you know, because right. you, then you're just going to talk about other stand-up bits. And right. I've seen comics do that, and I don't want to do that. Right. You need to have a life worth commenting on. Yeah, yes. exactly. But, you know, generally two or three times a night. I've got a couple tonight. Um, what what places are you uh, normally um, performing at? Normally? Um, a lot at UCB, a lot at The Creek. I've done stuff at Gotham and Caroline's, but I'm not really past at those clubs yet. But right. I perform there. Underground Lounge. Um, everywhere I, I can, you know, right. I'll take whatever gig. Yeah. Uh, and has the, the amount of gigs built up over time, obviously? Yeah, it built up. You know, yeah. you keep going. You start with mics, and then you just yeah. meet people, and then they put you on their shows, and someone likes you on that show, and then they put you on another one, you know? You right. just build it up. Right. And a lot of people ask, uh, especially from improv, uh, a lot of people that have, have gotten very good at it, and they're like, so tell me what shows I can just get on. And I'm like, right. well, you know, here's a list of mics. Just go to Bad Slava. And they're like, no, no, no. I just want to get on shows. And I'm like, well, you got to, like, meet people, you know, right. and work your way into this. So there's, a, yeah, there's, a, I feel like that's, yeah, almost everything. There's those people who want to do the level jumping. Yeah. And it's just like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, it's just, you got to just do it. Like, you know, yeah. like, it's the same with sketch writing. It's the same with stand-up. It's the same with you have, you improv. Have to do the, you have to do the work. Yeah, you, you got to do it. It's, it's just like, you know, it, it, that, I feel like that's the mentality of, uh, that's the mentality of like 22 year old Jeff when I took improv classes. And I was like, I'll just barrel through these and get on a Herald team. You know, because you're an idiot. You don't know how the world works. Yeah. And then, you know, and in retrospect, like I look back at like that version of me trying to do comedy, which is separate. Because it's like, you know, I took improv classes and then I took a long break to do band stuff and then came back uh, kind of hardcore with sketch stuff. Uh, but like I think about like looking back, I'm just like I was terrible. Like I like I didn't pay attention. I wasn't do. I wasn't even trying to do this right. <laughs> I really was just trying to find the way to level jump. Like you know immediately, just like yeah, I just want to be able to do this and just say I do it. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't work. No, ever. No, you have. I mean, in in my case, um, I started out doing stand up on Long Island. I was living on Long Island before I moved back to Brooklyn, which is all you can piece it together if you listen to every episode <laughs> right. of the podcast. I think. So I started like, all right, I've always wanted to do this. I don't know anyone on Long Island anymore where I grew up. Um, let me just, I'll just start going to mics here. So I kind of very quickly figured out how the mics work. It was the same 15 people uh, and just got kind of got into that rotation and figured out quickly that like, all right, if you want to really take this seriously, you're going up, you know, uh, two, three times a night, right? four or five nights a week and as Jeff and I know, having spent years touring in bands and you get to the, you're away for a month, you get to the club before anyone else or bar, you set up, 
You then wait until ever, after everyone leaves to get paid. Yep. It's like we did that. We we both did that for. I mean, I I did it seriously for like five years. Yeah. So once I started doing stand up, I was like, ah, I'm. I just got married. I'm living in my mother's house with my <laughs> wife. I'm doing stand up comedy. I can't. Like I'm in a new phase of my life. I can't dedicate myself to like. Going, you know, go, going to these shithole bars on Long Island to do seven minutes and then drive. It was, it was actually too depressing. Sure. As much as I loved it and like, oh, I met some cool people and I started like, I'll just perform for the comics. Sure. You know, and just like, it, I realized quickly, like, I could not, this yeah. was not an avenue of comedy that I could really devote myself That's to. That's a smart decision, though. I, you see a lot of people that are like, had a great life that mm-hmm. they just threw away right. to do comedy. Like, a, a, you know, a lawyer. Yeah. Making making a, a bunch and look fun like he's having a good time, had a wife, you mm-hmm. know, and then he started really getting into comedy. Right. And then it, it, uh, a lot of lawyers. Yeah, a lot of lawyers. A lot and of they get fired from his yeah. job and like. Yeah. Uh, well, the other thing is, is that you know, it, it was something clicked for me the first time I I did it, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I didn't know you could take notes up to mics and stuff like. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my god, wellspring of ideas. I wasn't doing anything else at the time. Like right. I'm just going to dedicate this. This is what I'm going to be doing. Uh, but then I realized, like, you can scale back, like, and you can do one mic a week or something just to get up to exercise the muscle. Right. You're obviously not running around in the same, you know, circles as other people. You're not as invested in it. But there's nothing stopping you from 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 that lawyer. From I want to I want to get up tonight and and do something. Right. If, yeah. if only for myself, because that's ultimate. That's really why you should be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Build his confidence. Yeah. Uh, he'll c- come up with a, fun, a couple funny jokes, his voice. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. And then you get some comics that shit on those guys. They're like, man, you're not in it for the game, man. Yeah. You're in it for the love. Right. right. Like, hobby comics, they're called. Hobby comics, yeah. yeah. And they yeah. shit on them. They're like, but fuck you, man. This yeah. person's just trying to do whatever it takes to make them happy. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. Because, I mean, yeah, like, it's it's it's... Yeah, it, it, it's it's almost it's tempting to do that. Like it's tempting. It was tempting to do that in music too, to just like kind of complain about everyone else. Yeah, uh, it's like they're not doing this right because, like you know, like I have certain criteria of how like bands probably should go. Like if you're like a showcase <laughs> band versus you actually go out and play shows, like in tour. Well, I think it's it's also uh, it's it's also because our bands got to a certain level where there was a business. Did you just right. smell your armpit? No, I'm wiping okay. sweat away. It's all <laughs> disgusting. By Thank the you. way, for the listener, it is 100 degrees yes. in the green room. Uh, you know, we both got to a level in music where, like, there was a business element to I mean, this is what we were doing. Right. Where there were other people outside of the band members involved in, in keeping this thing going. Labels, booking agents, uh, whatever. Um, so we had achieved a certain level with the band where, you know, there were a lot of tears underneath sure. us that we sure. could kind of... You know, look down from right. our perch, but then and moving. tears that are in completely different realms. Yeah, like, and also you know, tears like, way above, which us. is the same in stand-up. Like you know, there's the it's there's, so there's, but, yeah. so the point is is that like then moving into stand-up and being li- at the bottom right. rung and people, oh, you played in a band, that's cool. I don't care. Like I don't <laughs> listen to music. Yeah. I don't own any CDs. That's See cool. You. Oh, you you were in a you were in a band. Like oh, that's awesome. I just had a thousand people like applaud my name. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's like. But then you're just you know like uh, you're another schmuck. Another like, schmuck on the open to mic do, to do a couple minutes. Um, hit us up with another another uh, tale of woe. Oh, a, a shit gig. Yeah. yeah. Or a shit story. It sounds like you're very good at telling those. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. I gotta think about this for a second. Uh, shitty gigs. What about that commercial you did? 
You remember that terrible commercial? What was if that? you want to talk about that one. Which one was uh, that? Someone in some Italian restaurant or so, or was it a car dealership? Oh yeah, that was. Actually, I'm not gonna pimp you into it. <laughs> that was actually pretty fun. They, uh, you know, if nice camera, they paid well, nice people. Uh-huh. The thing that sucked about that though is I went back to work the next day, and my boss was like, "I heard you did a used car commercial for Jersey. That's the lowest of the low." <laughs> For for the state of New Jersey, just yeah, for, yeah. Jersey. For, for Jersey, for <laughs> uh, Jersey. Do you go out on a lot? Do you go do a lot of shoots uh, in general? Uh, yeah, yeah. I try. I, I go to audition as much as I can, right. um, and that definitely paid off a lot of medical bills I had. Right. Know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, it, it, I guess yeah. How do you kind of uh, you know you're you're doing all this stuff? Like, how do you kind of balance it all? Uh, oh, good question. It's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Some days I really just have to, like, turn off everything and then just, like, sit on the couch and watch Breaking Bad, you know? Right. Um, and then you, just be like, how? I, I could never fucking write a show like this. I could, yeah. How does, how does this come together? So brilliant. Right. Yeah. So yeah. many hands in the pot to write yeah. a good TV show. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing when it, when it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. I make out lists of things and, like, uh, you know, what do I want to do in one year, five mm-hmm. years? And I make a list... Of what I want to do and then break it down, keep breaking it down to the point where it even gets to like, this afternoon for 30 minutes, I'm going to write on my spec script. You right. know, for one hour, I'm going to work on jokes. For two hours, I'm, you know. Right. You really have it scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's there's definitely something to be said for, for being pro. I mean, it's about talking the talk and walking the walk. Right. <laughs> and a lot of people talk about how it would be great to do, oh yeah, I'd love to do this or I'm going to do this. But you, at a certain point, because you're creating the structure, because it's unless you're you're writing on a show or you have a job in the industry, right? Uh, where someone's paying you to do this to get this task done, you have to create it yourself and and, and have the discipline to be able to it's say executed. like, I'm which going, is the yeah, hardest exactly. part, I think. It's yeah. that, that the discipline part is the the waiting you know, is the hardest part. The wait, yes, and then exactly the second because it's that, I just say yeah, like even like I try to yeah, I try to do that and I feel like I fail. <laughs> like I'm just like it's hard. It's hard to be well, like you have hey so, Jeff, you do this. You have like, so many distractions, and you right. know you're doing it for the love of it rather than so. I truly believe that you know if someone's like hey Mike, I'll pay you. You know, two hundred dollars a day mm-hmm. to write thirty uh, monologue jokes. I'd be like, "All right, boss, let's get." You know, like, right. like you have the fire under your ass to be like, someone else is relying on me to provide for them. Well, Which, and a distinct goal, like, or a goal that you know yeah. that you ha- that you should be doing because there is, you know, money involved. So clearly, it's like this is the thing because I think that's the other thing is for me will be the. Uh, Kind of, you know, you're doing a lot of guessing, like of like, well, I'm going to put time into this the spec script or you know this standup, but like, you know, which one is the one I should sure. be gambling on a little yeah, bit more? Yeah, it is know? all a gamble, and like, I've definitely worked on some scripts or some shows that right. just didn't pan out. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, was that a waste of my time? But uh, right. you can't, I can't think that way, yeah. or else I'll go crazy. Yeah. You know? Well, that, that, yeah, the idea about of, of second guessing the stuff that you're doing is is a, is a road that will. Not bring you any stinking thinking, joy. Stinking and you don't thinking. want that at all. But it's also it's difficult to be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to write thirty monologue jokes today just to do it, right? Because it's just like you just—I've never been able to do that. Sure, I'd be like, oh, you know, if someone pays me to do this, I'd jump <laughs> right. at the opportunity, right? Or yeah, I'll write five. But, yeah, you know, like 
but there's nothing stopping you. It's just having the discipline. To do and yeah, it's just, and it's it's fear. It's fear that gets in the way. It's yeah. bullshit middle class values that are like, well, I should be a nine to five job. Like yeah. I should be like at an office, like doing this. Like you know, I should have a, more of a career. Like, but so, but it's, well, so it sounds like the the goal, the dream, is to be making a living acting or writing or performing in some context, and so you've got jobs to support yourself while you're. It's not the jobs aren't your passion. The, oh, temping is not my passion. Though. It's not. Like, I just want to make. I, I was That's so I was, weird that it's. I not was not unsure about that. I was going out on a limb there. Every other day, they do tell me they're like, if you want to stop doing this little artist thing and you want to work for the company, you let us know, okay? Because uh. we really value you. And I'm like, just that's, fire me. Yeah, that's the moment when I would always freak out. Anytime there was any sort of inkling that I could. Take on more responsibility. Become a full time or anything, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to somehow sabotage this. Like, it happened multiple times at various temp jobs. I was like, I can't do this. I'd just freak out immediately. Because it's scary. Because then it's like, you know, you you have that little bit of just like, oh, steady paycheck. (laughs) Like, you know, benefits. Oh, a chair. I could sit in a chair all day. Yeah. Chairs are good. I like sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have a task. You just move this piece of paper from over here to over here. Right. And you get paid. But then you look around and. Everybody's miserable. Right. Everybody has uh, health problems. Right. Um, carpal tunnel. Carpal tunnel. There was a woman in my company that had a brain aneurysm. You know? Really? That, yeah. I live in fear of that. Yeah. All this, this I think about what randomly. Causes, what will cause that? From looking at the computer too much? Or? Stress? I th- yeah. Just, but I think they're also, there's also the randomness of them. They can just happen. See, but it sounds weird because it seems like the stress of trying to quote unquote make it as a comic or, or as an actor... Would be right. that much greater than the the data entry shit yeah. that sure. I have to do today. Yeah, yeah. But maybe if you have maybe nothing, the stress of having a miserable fucking well, that's life the thing. is like, so much you, stronger. You know, because when you have this 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 goal that is so incredibly difficult. Right. I mean, there's still something to work towards. Right. As opposed to just you just work in the nine to five and you don't really indulge in your interests. Uh, or have interests. Yeah, that's another huge. Like that's the other. That that would always kill me, and I'm sure you might feel the same. Like of like talking to people who you realize, like, oh, you don't have hobbies, hobbies. interests, nothing. Like you really do want to talk about Two and a Half Men or Big Bang Theory or, the or whatever. Yeah. yeah, people are they're like house cats. They're crazy, yeah. just skittish. Unless you're a meteorologist, in which case the weather would be your bread and butter. <laughs> that, sorry, that was I had I. I felt the need to say something funny, and I failed. The heat is getting to you. Forecast bad jokes. <laughs> All right, uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 yeah. People don't have fucking. They don't have lives. There was a here's an example. There was a you ever heard of a king cake? It's a cake with like a little plastic yeah, yeah. baby on the inside. If you get the baby, it's like it's good for luck Mardi Gras cake. For Mardi Gras right? cake, yeah. It's Louisiana. This have to do the pawn shop buying the car at the pawn shop. You buy a king yeah, yeah, yeah. cake at the pawn shop. Cheese cake, cake uh, boss. <laughs> So we got this cake shipped up to the company in in New York, and um, I got the baby from the king cake. I was so excited, and I told everybody, and my coworker comes up to me later on the day. She was like, Amber, you have something that belongs to me. I forgot about it. I was like, what? what, Paperwork? Uh, Then I give you something? You know what it is. What? uh, Do you want to email that fax to you again? The baby. The king cake baby. And it was just so crazy. It took me a second to be like, what are you talking about? And then she held out her hand and she was like, and you will give it to me now in front of everybody in the whole office. 
And like, it's so easy to look back now and say like, no, this king cake baby is precious to me. You know, this comes from, from where I come from. This means a lot. I want to, I want to hold on to it. And if you're going to fire me over this, then I will contact my temp company and fuck you. (laughs) Wait, wait. So did she, wait, was was this like sort of in jest? No, this was, I thought she was kind of in jest and I kind of freaked out in the moment and I was like, well, you know what? I guess it's just going to sit in my purse or something. And I, I just kind of gave it to her. She clasped her hand closed and said, that's what I thought. And Jesus, walked away. Incredible. Wait, so did she... Was it because she was the one who put it in there? No, because she just felt she was owed it? She was owed the baby. She didn't even eat a slice of cake. You gotta eat a Ugh. fucking slice of cake if you want that fucking king baby. She's such a bitch, man. <laughs> is that what it's called? A king baby? King, king cake baby. King yeah. cake baby. And you just king said baby something. is an improv group I was in. Do you, yeah. uh, no. Do you remember the show <laughs> That's Incredible? Yes. You just said something. What if they remade that show and called it Jesus That's Incredible? <laughs> It, it would be for the Christian Network. I yeah. think. I think there's something there. I'd watch there's, it. There's gold right there. Um, so to to kind of bring this bring this to a close here, <laughs> uh, you've played a lot of shows. You've done a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of gigs, so to speak. What do you think of the word gig? Gig. Gig. Um, gig short term. Fish, money, uh, whoa, gig. I'm spitting out words. Um, A different take on it, are we? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. You don't know where it is. Figure it out. New every time. Basically just a fun, short-term thing that uh, you could either go, could go anyway. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, you took it in the the. I think you had the temp on your brain there <laughs> with thinking it's a temp gig. But I like I like the money thing. Yeah. Because uh, so there's money involved in gigs. Yeah. Is what we're getting. Yeah, at I like that. Well, Amber. So yeah, we didn't play many gigs, is what you're saying. No, I, I, I think yeah. that, that I that's that's a novel approach. I yeah. <laughs> so you've got you got two. You're gonna do two sets tonight. Yeah. You're going around. You're leaving here. You're gonna go. Into the city, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, eventually, you're going to come back to Greenpoint later on tonight. Might might be late. I don't know if you're going to take the train. You can bike. I take a train and I hold my, my key between my fingers. Or just, you know, walk with confidence. The, I love it because we want you to get home safe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Worst gig ever. 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 ever.